Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, this. Where are we? Oh, it's a 19-2, yes. So, a new year underway, and we're trying to get ourselves back on the track. Last week, we expected to be in, uh, in Dubai, just ahead of the Dubai 24. Uh, as you probably well know, that is going to be uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. Uh, but where you are, just after 8 o'clock, if you're in the UK, just after 3 o'clock in the afternoon, if you are in on the east coast of the US uh, and where I am it's just after midnight because I'm what one two three four Emirates up from the Abu Dhabi Yas Marina up in a place called Ras Al Khaimah at the Intercontinental Resort and um, very kindly they give me a little corner of a lounge to do the show this evening. Meantime, up in a chilly London, it's uh, it's dropping down to a rather chilly uh, 18 to 20 Celsius overnight here. Tim Gray, up in London, how's things with you? 18 degrees Celsius here as well. Uh, so perfect, uh, perfectly <laughs> matched. I don't believe you for a moment. No, the air conditioning in the studio is always set to 18 degrees Celsius. Ah, very good. It I never, never changes. Um, so, we have had, as I said, a little bit of a change to the start of the year, which means that our first live broadcast of endurance racing will be this weekend from Abu Dhabi with the Hankook Six Hours uh, at Yas Marina. Uh, it's also the Raw, and that means a bit of competitive racing, or competitive running at least, for the 2024 season for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Do those things feature, Tim Greer, on uh, our on our programme tonight on the, a packed show? How it's funny you should mention that, because yes, uh, <laughs> on a packed show tonight, we'll be talking about the Abu Dhabi uh, six hours. Excellent. Uh, and we'll be talking uh, to you and Mr. Nick Damon about that. Mm. Nick will be joining me here later in the week. I have been told by the responsible dialogue that it's very cold in Thrapston. It has been below freezing in Thrapston. So um, uh, my condolences to those of you out there. I think I might have burned, burned my head this morning, before end this morning, um, whilst I was doing a bit of prep for the show. Uh, we'll about. also be talking about IMSA before you go off on the tangent about sunburn. Yeah. Uh, you should wear a hat. I've got my IMSA cap with me and I forgot to bring out my other sack. Well, that's the wrong hat. And I realised that. How many hats have you got? I've only got one hat with me. It's Mm. it's a prime number. It's the lowest. One is not a prime number. 
two is the lowest prime number, unless you're one of those bizarre theoretical mathematicians who argues that zero is a prime number, which clearly isn't. Because it's not a number. It's not a value. I suppose it could be a value. Oh, hang on, we're off on the theoretical mathematics and we're only three minutes, four minutes into the show. Uh, what else have we got on the short line? Uh, Imza. Shay's going to oh, yes. talk about that. Oh, excellent. Uh, she will be at the Royal this weekend. And we've got some uh, other news as well. Okay. Um, do you want to shuffle your papers? Um, and I was going to do... I, I, I was going to do a few bits and pieces of... Um, parish notices. Um, hello to all of those that's listening. And... Hello for those of you who are downloading. Uh, particular hello to Sarah up in Crew. We will get the. You might have noticed. Sarah was one that noticed that the uh, schedule on the bottom of both the front pages of Interradio and uh, RadioShow.co.uk um, has disappeared. We are hmm. tuning up the website at the moment. When I say we, I mean Tim is. I so mean, Google have uh, stopped supporting that feature, so... Have they? Yeah. Oh, no. So we're having to write a new version. Ah, excellent. It might work later. You, uh... It might be even better than before. You will notice that Tim has cleaned up the front pages, that the search, the little search icon is back, as well as the little icon for turning it from daytime to nighttime vision. Um, they were always And also there, the little fact. audio and video... Uh, uh, icons uh, there yes, back as well excellent. but excellent. in exchange we've lost some uh, little icons we've lost the uh, little picture of you on any content you've authored and oh, also really? the picture of Paul Tarsi seems to have gone on anything that uh, has uh, that come from him does that mean I need to send you a new picture no well, these, I'll, I've still got it backed up on my laptop so I'll, I'll okay. just re-upload it so we, we will get everything we thought we'd take a, a, the, the chance of a few uh, weeks of a break um, so, Sarah, thank you for that, and we'll get that sorted. Uh, hello to, to Dave, who's uh, listening live tonight, to Right Turn Lover, uh, who is listening. A lot of people talking about uh, Formula One years. We'll have some Formula One years. We'll have, we'll have some uh, other news. You told me uh, to play the news jingle about three minutes ago. Shall I do it now? Well, I said shuffle your papers, yeah. Mm. Go on, play the jingle. The latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And we're going to start with some Formula One news, uh, which means that uh, we need to say good evening to our Formula One correspondent, Nick Damon, first of all. Good evening, Nick. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. Good evening, everybody. What, what, what are we starting with? Stop. Stop. Uh, we're starting with uh, by saying Happy New Year to you, Nick. Happy New Year again. said it last week. I've forgotten about that. And we're going to do some, about six different languages like some Formula yeah. One news. Hooray! Oh, it's cold outside, but Formula One keeps you warm. It doesn't really. There's not much going on. Uh, last week, we reported on the news that Gunter Steiner yes. uh, had, uh, by mutual consent, left Haas. Well, not no, really. No. He just left because he was told his contract had come to an end and it wasn't being renewed. After eight years. Uh, mm. Now Helmut Marko thinks he knows why uh, Gunter is no longer at Haas. Oh, go on then. Oh, we know, no, no, we know. I know this. I know this. Because he thinks that Gunter, uh, Gunter Steiner was basically to, uh, trying to use his fame from Thrive to Divide to Elboy's way into getting some stock in Haas and... 
um, and therefore uh, make his position more secure. Is that right? I mean, that's uh, two separate stories uh, put together, I think. Well done. Uh, because we did do the uh, thing about uh, Gunter Steiner uh, being promised half the team uh, at the end of last year, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, but, that, but that's what um, that's what Helmut has been saying. Yes. Helmut's basically saying that uh, it's all about brand. And uh, the Gunter Steiner brand is bigger than the Haas brand uh, among Formula One fans. And uh, that wasn't something that Haas uh, were happy with. That seems fair enough, given the fact that um, uh, Gene Haas is basically kind of um, running this team in a very weird way. Um, Perhaps he didn't want any publicity. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it is a fact that, you know the attraction of, of Haas has been the fact that they've got Gunter there to promote it because it's in a good, it, it, yeah, a team that's doing as badly as that team would do would have, would normally disappear, but it's managed to say um, with some sort of um, media focus by absolutely guarantee if they're as bad next year they were this year, they will disappear from any sort of consciousness. Uh, Helmut Marko is not the only person who's been uh, commenting on Gunter Steiner's departure. What did Bernie Eccleston have to say? Oh, probably something, probably something um, uh, that will end up in the court in six years' time. He said, there has never been a more unsuccessful team boss who's become a superstar thanks to a documentary. That's quite a narrow field, though, isn't it, really? Yes, but you know what he means, you, don't well, no, you? But if you start with a documentary, OK, well, there have been many of those, and then you have to start with a team boss, and you have to make them a star. So realistically, this is the first of the first chance there could be one. Mm. But, but his unsuccessfulness is that down to his team boss or just working what he's got. If you've got nothing, what can you work with? This is F1. Well, I mean, I'm sure you know, you've been watching the uh, Braun documentary on Disney. They started yes. with nothing, and look what they did. All because yeah, they, of Ross Braun. They didn't actually start with nothing, did they? I mean, no, but that's what uh, Kenny Reeves is trying to paint the picture of. Yeah, yeah well, that's, it's, it's, it's a common narrative, and what they did was, was, was you know, remarkable, but they say didn't start with nothing. Mm. What did uh, Franz Toast have to say about uh, Gunter Steiner leaving? I don't, I don't want his job. Well, no, because Franz Toast is retired. He's... Uh, Sitting uh, yeah, on retired. his veranda, retired, answering calls from journalists. Retired, just you know, yeah, possibly. Someone offered him a big enough check, and be back in a second. We all know that. He said, "I got on very well with Gunter, personally and professionally. He was an expert in our sport. That's all I want to say." That's true. I think he was an expert in the sport. And then he added, the pressure in Formula One's brutal. If a further development of a car doesn't work in the middle of the season, people are looking for someone to blame often called Franz Tost. Mm. So from that's all I want to say, he then expanded on it with a completely different uh, uh, point. I think he said he remembered that he'd been fired himself. Sorry, he'd been uh, retired himself in the previous year, so he thought he would make make, make a point about it. While we're in uh, Formula One, Mm -hmm. uh, who have Mercedes signed their young driver programme? Uh, Dorian Pa. Yes. I just think she's a bit good for that, really. The Formula One Academy. She yes. started her racing year last weekend at... Abu Dhabi. 
Dubai. Was it Abu Dhabi? Was it? No, it was Dubai last weekend. It's. Was it? I thought um, it was Yas Marina. The pictures I saw from Yas Marina. I know, no, it was Yas. It's Yas, and it's it's Dubai this weekend. Ah, okay. Um, they're, they're, they're swapping over the opposite way to what we would have been doing had uh, uh, had we been on normal times. I thought there'd been a support for us at uh, Dubai. No, obviously not. In the past, it has. It has in the past. It's 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 got a lot bigger. They've got some good numbers now for those those regional and Formula 4 out there now. Formula regional, yeah. Um, UAE Formula 4, it is. Hasn't been made a Formula Regional series yet. Had a long chat. No, they got, no, they got a Formula, Formula Regional, regional as well. separate. Formula Regional is what would be Formula 3 if they were allowed to have Formula yeah. 3. Except it's not Formula 3 because... Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just not. And we're back to theoretical mathematics again, everybody. It's what um, I'd call Formula 2.9. Oh, had, she spent quite a lot of time in the first race getting past somebody who spectacularly jumped the start by about um, two and a half seconds. And whilst she was also going to finish in front of that driver, um, it meant that there was a bit of a break between her and the cars ahead. So I think she started seventh and finished seventh in the first race. I'm doing this from, from memory. And I can't, I, I didn't see the result of the second race, but there's two more races this weekend. Who is to blame for Roman Grosjean not having a test at Mercedes? Uh, Roman Grosjean and the timing and everything going wrong and just COVID? I don't know. COVID is one of the reasons. Uh, Roman Grosjean's also blamed himself. Mm. Uh, he says, uh, I just can't find the time. I'm doing 30 race weekends next year, meaning this year, obviously. Mm. Is he? Yeah. Yes. He's a busy lad. He's doing World Endurance and he's doing yes. IndyCar. That's not 30, He's, he's is doing it? seven in the World Endurance Championship, 18 in IndyCar. That's 25. And then he's uh, also a commentator for Canal Plus, which uh, keeps him busy for another five weekends. So he's not, doing, he's not doing all the, the WECs and he's doing seven out of eight? Is, is, there's an IndyCar clash. Ah, okay. Mm. Moving on. Uh, what's Toto Wolf said about this year's uh, Mercedes car? I know there's lots of Mercedes news here, but they um, just bombarded me with press releases. He, uh, he says it's the first car that feels like a car for two years, according to Anthony Davidson. Which is a bit weird, really, because they thought the last year's car was a massive improvement and marvellous. Um, so they're now saying, no, we made that all up, and it was always rubbish, and now this year's car is great. Or greater. No, or carrier. <laughs> Surely the other odd thing about that is if it's a car that felt like a car from Anthony Davidson. Anthony Davidson never sits in the real car. He only sits in the simulator, and that hasn't changed at all what he sits in. Yes, but the, this is the point. The parameters being fed to his, his, his various senses are obviously the parameters that seem more like something that, 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 that knows what he's doing. To be honest, re- realistically, that the, the issue that car has had for the last two seasons and it's been various reasons for it is rear instability so they've designed a car without rear instability it's going to feel initially better isn't it so oh. then it depends what they can do with it but yeah it doesn't necessarily mean they haven't dialed in too much undersea doesn't necessarily mean they haven't dialed in too much tire wear because that's much more difficult to simulate on the simulator yeah, yeah. um so we'll find it in bahrain but yeah, they've managed to get rid of the major the major overarching issue the drivers didn't like and it's all down to the other problems they've got which is things like they've been running way too much drag for their downforce in the new regulations and they've got you know they've got a lot of low-hanging fruit problem is they've got a huge amount of time to make up yeah uh 
Let's uh, move you got on. You've got, you got one more Mercedes store, haven't you? No. Because no, Toto's re-signed. Oh, three. Toto's got a new uh, contract, yes. That's right. Three, you, you three more years of Toto. He signed with himself because he owns a third of the company. Yeah. <laughs> Conflict <laughs> of interest, anyone? Well, we're not really thinking. There was a question. When he was told he'd sign, uh, sign a new manager's contract, given the fact what Jim Radcliffe was doing, everyone thought he was going to take over May United. Mm. Um, <laughs> Can somebody Radcliffe inform you? a bad idea. Can somebody in Formula One who's got a lot of money um, just buy Reading, please? Reading Football Club. Just yeah. save it. Just that's another disgraceful situation, but don't get me started on that. I don't think we should be encouraging people to buy football clubs unless they actually know how to run a football club. Just having a lot of money isn't actually the answer, John. It's better than not Nothing. having any money, though, mm. which is what's yeah. happened with Reading. Mm. Johnny Morlam's a big Reading uh, supporter. I dug out... It was Blue Monday on Monday, allegedly. Remember, this is the, the, the day that the travel industry invented to make you book, book you a holiday. holidays earlier. Um, and so I dug out, I've decided it was GMO Monday, and dug out the falling off the chair clip, um, which I <laughs> tweeted on Monday, which made me yeah, I'm sure he was chuffed about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, let's have a, a bit of a listen to this music. play this music because I didn't right. think it was technically a court case. Ah, right. It was not a bit crown cork. Um, so <laughs> it's a classic. So go on, what is not technically a court case? The Clark County Commission. Oh, right. I know what this is. This is one of the ultimate... It's actually, it's something that we deal with a lot in the UK and not... Is NIMBYs? It is NIMBYs. It is NIMBYs, Not yes. in my backyard. Um, this is the people who have moved close to WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. No, it's not. No, I thought... Oh, not. really? Mm. Clark, Clark, Clark County's Clark? Nevada. Oh. Oh, right. I apologise. Yes, it would have been Salinas, wouldn't it? Is Clark Country is Clark County the one which has got Las Vegas in it? That's the one, yes. Yeah. Mm. And this is to do with with the Grand Prix, is it? I take it there. It is, yes, yes. Money? Is it refunds for the thing being shut down for the first? It's day? All, it's all about money. It's always about money. Well, it's always about money. Yeah. Uh, Somewhere back in Thrapston, the responsible adult is even now typing into our Skype chat. Follow the money. Mm. A group of Las Vegas business owners uh, claims that construction work and road closures cause significant disruption to their businesses and a drop in revenue. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. And they also allege that Formula One and Clark County government failed to adequately address their concerns. Yes. And. <laughs> Uh, although the race weekend suffered a troubled start on Thursday with the cancellation of FP1 in the wake of a water valve cover incident. Mm. Incident. And FP2 taking place behind closed doors, race day was a resounding success. Really? Okay. Wade Bone, one of the business owners who denounced the situation, said, We don't need Formula One. Formula One needs us. We want to be compensated for the losses that occurred due to everything in Formula One. Everything. <laughs> what, is, what, is it, what is his business, though? Does it say? Uh, it says that it's a business located near the Strip, which suffered a drop in revenue from £8.5 million uh, in 2022 to just £4 million in 2023. What, he lost four million pounds in two days. We believe the county is responsible. No, it wasn't though, was it? They're it using taxpayer dollars to bring F1 into town. When F1 be- went before the county, they promised there would not be a hindrance; that they would be part of the community. What they did was they came in, tore everything up, ran the race, and got the hell out of Dodge. If this happens again next year, I'll be out of business a hundred percent. Not only you won't be fifty percent out of business then. <laughs> Well, Hang on. They, I don't, they did start building stuff very, very far in advance because it was the first one. One presume, presumes it won't take the whatever it was, 12 weeks to get it together the next time. However, that said, I, I do think it cost, uh, it took a lot longer than people anticipated. And also, uh, there was some suggestion that they didn't make the best of what they could have for people who it was uh, it was exactly the same um, it was exactly the same comments that came from people who were close to or even trackside at Chicago for the NASCAR Cup race that you couldn't see the track from there because it was all barriered off and had various bits and pieces in front of it and um, so people didn't know that those shops were still open and they didn't make the best of it. There's got to be ways around it. Uh, nobody, nobody thinks that just in those few weeks he lost half of his revenue, on, on particularly on weeks when it isn't the busiest time of year. That is the quietest time of year in Vegas. Yeah. And there were more visitors to Vegas. Um, if mm. you believe the numbers, and there's no reason not to, there were more visitors to Vegas that weekend than any year in the recent past. They just weren't going to his store. They didn't go to his store. What we don't know is what his business is, do we? No, we should uh, it's probably It's a 24-hour market. Nah. It's a fabulous... It basically, it looks a bit like it's a, uh, it's, it's a um, souvenir stand, let me tell you. It's, it's, it sits there on the... No, it sells drinks. It's got a... And, yeah, it looks like a general market, to be honest. Uh, it's got some food, sells sandwiches. It's basically uh, spa, isn't it? It's, no, actually, it's more, it's more restauranty, but you can get snacks as well. From James Market uh, on Flamingo is where it is. Okay. Uh, do well, you know a bit for him? You know. Yes, a bit of advertising there. He should he's, open a um, branch in yeah, uh, Stockton on Tees. I'm trying to see where he is. On. Map's kind of, he's, yeah, he's just he's, oh, he's right near Caesar's Palace. We need to uh, find out which business is owned by Randy Markin, another business owner involved in the lawsuit, uh, who said Randy, the conventional way, like Andy with an R. M-A-R... 
K-I-N. Yes. Like Merkin, but with Las an A. Vegas is a, is a search. He's a manager of marketing investments, apparently. Is he? Yeah. Mm. Yes. We got fooled. It just steamrolled out of control, he said. As a community... What, what, what out of control? Steamrolled. Oh, steamrolled. Right, sorry. He's at the iconic Las Vegas stage door, apparently. Mm. This uh, has never happened before. We got bamboozled. Oh, it's a casino as well. It's Flamingo Road. This is all Flamingo Road. This is the people moaning. They're the Flamingo Road people. Right. Mm-hmm. Apparently they haven't got a leg to stand on. Only one leg to stand on. At apparently. a time. Yes, at a time. Is that in North Yorkshire? Just between... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that far, actually. Flamingo Park Zoo, as it used to be called. The road from Moulton to Pickering where it always used to be on the ads. Anyway, mm. look, it's it's going to happen. They're going to have to find an accommodation for them. It's not going to be the kind of money um, that they're talking about. You don't know what other... Uh, look, I'm sure that they're, all of these things um, have uh, never turn out exactly the way people expect them to. So, uh, you know, first year we live and learn, but... Uh, I suspect there's there's other things at, at work here, and they want they want some compensation, some forensic accounting perhaps might help. Some, some what did the Formula mentoring. One spokesman uh, have to say about uh, this? They said it was a brilliant event, and we'll be back again next year, yeah. and we'll be working with the community to make sure that actually we they minimise. Hmm? They didn't say that at all. Did, Did they, they say no. it's, it's an argument between the uh, the local authority and uh, the stall holders, restaurant holders, and it's nothing to do with us. So nerdy, nerder, we don't care. They said we believe the event generated an economic benefit of 1.2 billion for the state of Nevada, mm. but not for this particular but not, shop. But not on Flamingo Road. No. no. Uh, what uh, What did Bone think of the Grand Prix? Uh, overrated, noisy. Really entertaining, but did oh, nothing for me. Oh. Well, OK. No, that's all right. I think that's OK. Are uh, you listening to Midweek Motorsport? It's Series 19, episode number two. Uh, hello. If you are just joining us, we're stretching our technology. Um, no, we're not. We are a little bit. Well, for me, I am. Cause I'm, I'm You've got new technology, new yes. Yes, I've got a brand new piece of kit for the first yeah. time. I, yeah, Ooh. I've got the I've got the flow eight with me here, so I could flow actually have yeah, eight. Yeah, I could actually have four people talking at the moment and mixing them all. Actually, I could have more than that. I could have eight. That's the why it's called mi- ma- mi- Mix Master John on the decks. The world's first the world's first race commentary to feature scratching. Mm. Um. So, uh, here I am in the Emirates. Uh, Nick is getting ready to come to the Emirates tomorrow. And, the and of course, our executive producer, Tim Gray, is up in London. And where is he going to take us next? In the wide world of motorsport. Dusseldorf. <coughs> Dusseldorf. Bless you. Well, actually, I have, I, have, I have done motorsport in Dusseldorf. I've been to Dusseldorf. What, have I, um, what, what motorsport have I done in Dusseldorf, Tim? Uh, you, I bet you did um, uh, Thingy Bob, uh, Brace Champion. Th- you're right, twice. Once with Martin and once with Bruce. In fact, maybe mm. three times, actually. But certainly did it once with Martin and once with Bruce. What's happening in Dusseldorf? Yeah, it's happening. You, have you been to uh, Dusseldorf Airport? 
Actually, I'm trying. I think both times I went there, I drove. Hmm. Mm, did I fly the first time? Hmm. Can't. Do you know what? It is such a long time. I did race champions for nearly twenty years. Um, no race of champions this year, and uh, they all kind of. That's a really good point. Yeah, there's no race of champions this year. Why's that? They're having a sabbatical. They did this a couple of years ago. I think it's going to mm. become biannual in the end. Mm. Oh, that's oh, right. I didn't realise that. Now you pointed it out, I realise it hasn't happened. <laughs> mm. There's a Mercure Hotel uh, just to the north of Dusseldorf Airport. Right. And if you uh, go from there towards Crayfelt, mm-hmm. you'd be the on the A524. Oh, right. Uh, which apparently is being uh, launched on February the 7th. At Silverstone, in a dual launch with the Formula One car for Alpine. For mm-hmm. that is what we are discussing right now. Are there actually going to be anybody there? Or is it only... Is, are there going to be... Is there going to be anybody there? There's, there's got to be just online? one person there, at least, because they said they will pull the covers off. So... I, that suggests that there will be a human pulling that cover off. Mm. The okay. problem is, Alpine no longer has an Otmar Schaffernauer, and it no, no longer has an Alan Permain. No. But they got, what's his features? Bruno Thiebob. Uh Bruno Famine, yes. Yes. And they do have Matt Harmon. Super. Who is their technical director. So they're probably very good at pulling off sheets. Yeah. You can't click your fingers and just do it overnight, said Harmon. <laughs> what, pull a sheet off? Well, not at my age, certainly. Well, we, 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 no, we wouldn't necessarily pull the sheet overnight. It might get cold. But uh, apart oh. from that... Well, you certainly would on yeah. February the 7th, yes. That mm, Silverstone. That Silverstone's cold at the best of times. Well, it's got its own microclimate, hasn't it? You do not want to be leaving anything out while there's potes- potential of frost in the air, so you don't want anything out from underneath the covers at that time of the year. Mm. What happens uh, one week later? It's what, Valentine's it Day. It is, and who's launching <laughs> their car on Valentine's Day? Ferrari, um, they love us. Oh, very good. <laughs> Ferrari is for lovers. Um, McLaren. Is it, McLaren. Is it it's Mercedes. 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 Uh, so just down the road mm. at Brackley. Are, are they in Dusseldorf as well? I wouldn't have thought so. No. Uh, they've got a West London postcode, haven't they? Uh, <laughs> Brackley. Who has Mercedes? What's the car called? 15. W15. There you go. Oh, yeah. uh, is, it, is there a W15? Yes. But in London, there's a West 14. I don't think there's a West 15. Let's have a look. No. I don't think there is. I used to but work in West 14. But there's a bus route that goes from Walthamstow <laughs> Central Station. So hang on. Wait a second. So we've, now got one te- we've got one team named after a, an A road in the, in the North Midlands. Now another team named after a, bu- a car with named after a bus route. Yeah, it's yeah. the Higham Hill to Hackney route. Yeah, towards Higham Hill. Coogan Avenue, enough. Morning Lane, Trelawney Estate to Higham Hill. Yeah, very nice. There we go. To find out whether there's a, there's a route called the FW46 or the M, whatever it is. No. 
suggestions <laughs> to add spec your team into please. The FW46 uh, is an executive brogue. Is, is it? it? Oh, lovely, mm. it's a shoe. I it's say. made from Brazilian full grain cow leather with a special oh, yeah. moisture management fabric for extra comfort. <laughs> I think we need to find out what all ten cars are oh. when, before the start of the season. We'll work out. I mean, I think we'll work out what they are. A random Google search will give them all another a completely different identity. Well, I think you'll find that FW46. I'm not sure. Is... Oh, wait, I don't know if it is 46 this year. I think it is. Well. Uh, FW46 will be uh, taking off from Sendai. Um, <laughs> in fact, uh, oh no, in fact, it'll have just taken off and it's on its way to Chitwos in Japan. So from SDG. Let's hope you're in the Sydney. right time zone, otherwise, you've got that completely wrong. Uh, ooh, yes, good point. I, I'm. Well, it will have done it at another time because I didn't just fly on one day. If you're listening to the podcast, that plane has taken off or landed. <laughs> yeah, it is the SW46 this year. I was right. It's going to be unveiled in one of the biggest cities in the world. Barcelona. Um, Williams are going to be uh, unveiling at the same time as Stake F1. Well, we, we all know that their launch is going to be underdone. So, um... Oh, they're all coming out. Again, I know, but it was fun last time. Have you got a source uh, for that? Uh, it's New York for yeah. um, Williams. Williams. Someone who um, used to work for Williams uh, mm-hmm. revealed this week that he turned down the opportunity to design a spaceship. Right, Adrian okay. Newey. Adrian, Adrian Newey. Newey, yes. What what spaceship do you turn down the right to a chance to design? He hasn't he said. Didn't say. But it was ten years ago, so think about who might have been designing spaceships ten years Elon ago. Elon Musk. I would have thought that it'd been the Musk rat, yeah. Mm, I was thinking maybe or Branson. Jeff Bezos. Maybe Bezos. Mm, could have been, yeah. Could have been. And he said it's much more exciting doing cars in Formula One. Basically well, that's why he didn't simple. do it. It's a pointy circle, isn't it really? A pointy circle. What else would you describe? Do you know what? Hang on a second. Wait. Just wait. Wait for the phone to ring. That'll be NASA for Nick. (laughs) Nick Dearman, their latest research rocket scientist. It's just a pointy circle thing. There we are. It's basically an ice cream cone. It's called rocket science for a reason. It is rocket science. Mm. (laughs) Oh, come on. Let's move on. Uh, What should Formula Formula 1 be focusing on more... Um, fans, different classes, and and cars with wheels over them and a roof, and longer races. Mm, I think that might clash with a different FIA World Championship a little. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, this is according to uh, Mohammed Ben Sulaim. <sighs> the whole world of motorsport and F1 in particular should be paying more attention to synthetic fuels. No. Um, um, Good Steiner. No. Cost um, of living crisis. No. Um, they, Gladiators um, back on BBC. Oh yeah, very popular. Six point eight million. No. Okay. Um, counting the number of hats in the quiz show. No. Okay. I'll give it away. I'll, I'll give up on that. Oh, by the way, just so you know, just for future reference, that next year mm. this is McLaren as a knee brace. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Or oh, you're working through you. Th- that is going to be your thing now, isn't it? So I'm going to find a few. 
Yeah. What's the um, nomenclature for the steak? Don't know yet. And Fry changes every year as well, so they can't do mm. Fry because Fry have no, don't follow any sort of set form. Let's mm. get back to where uh, what Mohammed bin Sulaim thinks we should be focusing on. A small dot, a very long way away. Um, some people might regard it as that, yes. Racing in Africa. Yes, Africa. All right, okay. Sorry, that just came back to me after. I wasn't deliberately being. I wasn't deliberately being obtuse before that. That literally just came back to me. Hmm. Uh, Already written off the opportunity for a race in South Africa and Kyle Army. They've said no. Well, um, that was because uh, the. Uh, Circuit was uh, taken over by someone else and they weren't interested anymore. Correct. Um, however, it is something that all motorsports should be looking at. We is call that... it motorsport in a box, he said. This is a box that you get from the FIA. It contains stuff like timing and telephones. Oh, okay. Has he been reading all press releases? <laughs> And the walls. box does not contain the a fax toaster. machine, though. Uh, really? No. You don't know that, though. He hasn't had a look at the whole. Hasn't had a look at the whole inventory. It could have a fax machine. Yeah, I'm sure it, it do. does. Sure, there's a several. I'm sure Dubai will. Uh, anyone, do, oh, wait, uh, is it Dubai? Do? Or Ab- no, it's Bahrain that's got uh, covered yes. full of them, isn't it? Yes. Does anybody want to guess what the Aston Martin is? <gasps> AMR. AMR twenty-four. Right. It's a very large studio mixing desk. Is it? No. I'll have to get one for my very large studio. <laughs> I'll stop now. Vintage recording um, console from 1989. You're right as well. Mm. How fantastic. It was, a f- it was a flagship console with 36 It's one of those ones you see on bus. those. It's massive. It's like three metres and it's got, it's got, you can tell how old it is. It's got little four by three screens on the top of it. <laughs> We've actually got, you know, <laughs> CRTs in them. That is fantastic. I've got one for sale for $2,800. It's been reduced. Well, then Tim needs to get on it straight away. <laughs> the, uh, the words That's of uh, Mohammed. Four and a half thousand dollars. Yeah, it's been, this one's been reduced. I'm telling you, it's good. The words of Mohammed Ben Salam have been <laughs> echoed by who? Uh, well, if they're being echoed, it's it's himself shouting into a chasm, isn't it? It's just come mm. back to him. Uh, it'll be Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton. Oh, good. He said, "Remember, you're supposed to be the F1 bloke here. Can you tell I've, I've been got sitting distracted. around reading? <laughs> I've got distracted. <laughs> I've been on to Stefano. He said because I really want to get a race in South Africa." Or anywhere yeah, in Africa. In fact, he said that quite a lot, actually. So if it's not South Africa, it'll be somewhere else. In Africa. Well, but where else is it going to be? Well, somewhere else. Right? Stockton on Tees. Ah. What uh, FIA... Stockton on Tees, it's not in Africa. No. Uh, what FIA events already take place in uh, Africa? Uh, I don't think... I don't think there's any FIA events to take place Rallies. in Africa. Well, there's a safari Africa. rally. There's a round oh, of the World oh, Ra- FIA World Rally Championship. Where? Exactly. Safari, Kenya. 
John stunned into silence. Oh, yes. By the realisation that it's been back on the calendar for three years. We're going to do a WRC preview next week, by the way. With P-Mark. With uh, Peter Mackay. Mm-hmm. Because he's more interested in it than Nick is. It's not saying much, is it? Really? We've also got our uh, favourite African event. Oh, yes, the um, uh, the Gorilla Rally. Mountain Gorilla the Rally. Rwanda Mountain Gorilla Rally. That's an FIA-sanctioned event. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, the Burundi International Rally that uh, joined the FIA African Rally Championship for the first time last year. Uh, the Zambia International Motor Rally. Uh, the Pearl of Africa Rally in Uganda and the Rally of Tanzania. Am I right, am I right in saying there's no hard surface FIA or FIM events in Africa? No, because the Kyle Army 9 hours is gone now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she'll probably and that wasn't an FIA ride. event anyway, was it? Oh, no, it was, um, no it wasn't, it wasn't the SRO and FIA-approved championship? It was the Endurance? Intercontinental GT thingy yeah, challenge, wasn't it? Not sure. It? it was still a proper race anyway. Where is there no uh, FIA rally now? Antarctica. Wales. Wales. In Africa. Where they used to be? Yes. What what has fallen off the calendar this year? Oh, well, that's... <laughs> I don't know. Is it the Cricklewood Broadway Rally? The Rally Cote d'Ivoire. <gasps> well, that's because they got the African Cup of Nations instead, isn't it? Uh, it's because last year, uh, no one or very few people who weren't uh, based in Cote d'Ivoire actually entered. So uh, it's because it's quite a long way from all the other African rallies and no one wants to travel there. And they don't have Dakar either now, of course. That's Not in Africa, no. No. It's on at the moment, isn't it, in Saudi? It is indeed. Correct. Do you want uh, a little updates from there? No. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. I'm only getting press releases from Toyota, and they seem to be... Doing well? Second or We have some Toyota third. news later as well, I think. Uh, yes. Can I... Um, while I think about it, we do have time because uh, mm-hmm. Shay's not going to be here for another 19 minutes. Uh, can I go back to something we were talking about last week? Yes. And which of last week's stories do you think I want to go back to? We've gone back to Gunderstein already, so I don't know. John? Um, what did we do last week? A long time ago, seven days. <laughs> uh Chris Ward beating the HSR? No. Top bloody. Um, well, go on. Le Mans then. tickets. Out of misery. Le Mans tickets. Yes. It wasn't Le Mans tickets. No. Okay. I started it by asking uh, you where the highest racetrack in the world was. Oh, oh yes, yes, Andorra. Yes, Andorra. The, the place we almost go. Yes. Yes, Andros. Uh, no, not Andros. It's the no, uh, Clear Ice it, Trophy, yeah. and oh, the yes. opening round um, was. Won by two-time Turkish Rally Championship Volkan Izak for uh, oh, Puzzle okay. Motorsport. Who was his core well driver? That's a nice race. It's just in. No, they have okay. two of them in there. They really? normally, normally swap cars, yeah. So it's a bit like the old... Um, it's a bit like the old sprint where you could share a car with somebody and you'd have car 7 and car 17 and you would just cross through the the number one 
when your partner was using the car. So, so couldn't do that in single seaters, of course. Well, there's no point in even trying, is there? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> No whatsoever. He leads the general classification uh, with 36 points. That's four ahead of Antonio Otero. Charlie Frayard is on 30, equal third with Daniel de Villar. And uh, Quentin Ribo is fifth on 25 points. So He'll not be happy with that. That's uh, one little update from last week. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot these days about sustainability don't we and we do. there's a lot of motorsport that is uh, looking in that direction mm-hmm. which championship has claimed third place in the 2024 sustainable championships index right so that's like fia championship or any championship any championship well, I assume Formula E's top, and then you've got no, the other I one. I what's no, the, what's I the other one I called? Wouldn't I wouldn't that assume that. At all. I wouldn't assume that. What's the other one? Of those? Extreme E. Extreme E. Yes. Extreme E's third. Extreme E's third. Third. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, it's ahead of Formula E. So what's first then? No, no, he's good at Nick. We've started with third. We've got to go second first, haven't we? Oh, it's like Miss World, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could do. The Sustainable Motorsport Index, by the way, is the global performance system assessing motorsport stakeholders' sustainability against the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, SDGs, and Environmental, Social and Governments, ESG, framework. I think everybody right. knew that. I don't think there was need for so Basel extremely, it's punts a big ship all around the world uh, with diesel and everything else is third. No, but they don't use diesel, do they? They use, no. you know, they use crushed... Something cheese, yeah. yes. yes, pretty um, much. No, it isn't that. But they curves use, and weigh engines. Yeah, they they have. It's actually so. So here's the thing. I had a long chat, um, and you can listen to it if you haven't already, with Pascal Dimitri of the WEC, and one of the things that they found out during COVID was that it was better for them to do... Oh, that, that was better when I moved the microphone close to my mouth. Um, it was better for them to have their own ships and to put everything they needed on a ship and then it could go point to point and it didn't have to go to other different ports. But also it meant that they could use sustainable fuels and they use synthetic and sustainable fuels on on the ships that do yes. all the carriage for the WEC. And... Uh, in fairness, the Extreme A ship, which is an old postal ship, isn't it, if I remember rightly, um, they've done the same thing. So it's not the thick, horrible diesel that you can walk across. Um, and, and what else do they carry on that ship apart from... Uh, apart from... Um, apart from the cars? The hopes uh, and dreams of all the teams. I met in thee tonight. Um, the <laughs> They carry um, journalists. and <laughs> A small number, th- yes. Yes, they do. Uh, they carry... Um, Favour? And Very good. Uh, they carry... What else do they carry? Um, environmental goodies. You can do what? B. Bears. Batteries. <laughs> And oh big dear. solar panels so that when they go somewhere sunny, they can charge up their batteries. Mm. Okay. That's fair enough. Good point. But if they do have to use 
diesel generators, they use the cleaner diesel that they use on the ship as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they're number three. They're, okay. Well, their press release said they're number three. I have just looked at the numbers in more detail and found out that they're actually joint third with oh, MotoGP. Right. Okay. Right. Fine. Why is MotoGP so good? I'll come back to that. Uh, second place. Formula One. It's Formula One. I was to say hooray. hooray. Yay. Hooray. Hold on, Formula One. Second. <laughs> and so it's first WEC then? No, Formula E is first. Oh, you! I said it was. You know, just deliberately distracted me yeah, away from Yeah, but that. I wanted you to go third, second, first. Right. So for, and is it like... And Can so I... out of the points, like if Formula E gets 100, is like Formula One like 7 or is it like 98? How close are they? Uh, Formula E scored four. Formula One scored three. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I have a question. Yes. Does it take into account the um, audience? Or is it just the series? We can't take into account the audience, because then if no one turns up to your series, you're not causing any any carbon footprint at all because no one's done anything different but if you're F1 and you've got 100,000 people getting to the track it's going to create something isn't it it's about how far they come from Nick and the amazing thing is for for something like a Champions League final there's more environmental um, cost for a Champions League final than there is from a Formula 1 Grand Prix because people travel to it Everyone going afield. to Zandvoort is from Holland. And, mm. on, a, and on a bicycle. Mm. It's pretty Portal sustainable. GP, I, see, I reckon GP that most of the points that Formula 1 scored in this index have come from Zandvoort, haven't they? Yeah. Most of it never leaves Spain, that's why. So and everybody fine. goes on a bike. That's and right. everybody goes on a bike. Most people yeah. go on a bike. Yeah, that's true. So that's good. The, the, How many championships have... were ranked in this uh, survey? Ten. More. Really? really? Yes. Sixteen. More. Twenty-six. One hundred and six championships were ranked in this survey. Who was one hundred and six? Who was one hundred and six? Including two entering for the first time, uh, which were the FIM E Explorer World Cup. Never heard of it. And uh, F1 Academy. Yeah. Right. So, what came? Who came last then? I need to uh, scroll through a lot of paper to do that. This is really good. I like. I like this. That's that. That is a really good. I. I love all this stuff. If if you go back twenty odd years, we used to do um, the Michelin Green X Challenge. Yes, yeah, I remember that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in the American Le Mans series, and um, if you remember Mazda with their prototype used to run on cellulostic fuel which the bulk of that was made from an ethanol-like material, but instead of it coming from food or food waste or plant waste, it came from paper and cardboard waste, and they made fuel out of it. And uh, it was all put together about how you qualified, how you raced, how many sets of tyres you used, what fuel you used, etc., etc., etc. And it was... I, I seem to think it was an initiative by the US Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, and Scott Atherton got together 
they were decades ahead of their time. Decades ahead of their time. It was outstanding. And it was a really, com- a really complicated algorithm. But I remember having to work with it. And it was the lowest score won. And the only thing that I, 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 I contributed to that was when we were asked to explain it and I was sitting in a meeting, and I think it was ESPN in those days that I was working with, um, I said, oh, so it's like golf. And they all went, oh, excellent, it's like golf. Yes, lower scores wins, it's like golf. And funny enough, we were just talking about that the other day, um, about how far ahead of its time that was. Um, which is, um, it, it, I, I, I'm fascinated by things like that. So, and, and look, you can argue about whether they've taken what they've taken into um, account. But so long as everybody's rated on the same set of um, parameters, I think it's a really interesting look at, yes. at, where, at where they are. So Formula E, I've got some more figures here. Formula E Excellent. is 85% sustainable. Right. Uh, Formula 1 is 68%. Okay. Extreme okay. E and MotoGP are 58%. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest improvers this year uh, were the NTT IndyCar series, which is up 47 places from 68th to 21st. Dun, 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 Ferrari dun, challenged Trofeo Pirelli <laughs> North America has jumped from 92nd to 38th. Uh, Repco Superstar, uh, Supercars has jumped from 73rd to 38th. Joint 38th. Uh, championships to watch, it says. The FIA World Endurance Championship deserves a mention in this section of the report because it's taken the step of banning tyre warmers. Hmm. Uh, warming tyres preserves heat in the rubber, making them grip the tarmac of the racetrack better. However, it requires a transportation of additional equipment and an increased energy usage, making it unsustainable. Correct. Banning it's a good first step and might lead to other championships doing the same, notably F1, which has been considering it for a while. So, so, so here's the thing. So here's the thing as well, though. What I'd like to know... So this is the nerd in me. So I love those stats. I love those stats. And if you're listening to this now and you are of a Shea Adam persuasion... <laughs> I'm you, sending this you, to Shay. All, you, however, oh, 46 pages of it. You, you want to drill down into this. I want to know how much of Formula One's rating is based on the extremely impressive thermal efficiency of the engine. Because I can tell you wh- that. Oh, can you? Yes. Because the rest of Formula One is not that green, no well, matter what they say. It is, because in in Europe uh, last year, uh, F1 transported everything using just 18 trucks, apparently. No, they didn't. Uh, not the teams, F1 itself. Oh, oh okay, sorry. Okay. The, the infrastructure of F1. Oh, was, right. Oh, uh, just 18 trucks. Yes, but they're all powered by uh, biofuel, reducing carbon emissions by 83% uh, compared to fuel-driven trucks. No, I, well, uh, uh, conventionally driven, yeah. Okay, no, that's good. Good for uh, them. They've also banned uh, single-use plastic bottles. Yep. 
Silverstone contributed uh, to this as well by donating uh, two tonnes of food to a local food bank. Right. Okay. And Sebastian uh, Fettel's Bee Hotels at Suzuka uh, were also <laughs> highly commended. Yeah, and uh, apparently we've heard uh, now from uh, now we've heard from Las Vegas that uh, they want some bee hotels as well to uh, to get their revenue back up because apparently not enough bees are going to Formula One. I don't think they pay though. So, well, you know what it is. They have they 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 don't believe the buzz. Mm. Uh, I got stung so by is, a bee. The hang other on. So day. what is what is the worst championship? No, hang on. I got stung by a bee the other day. Nine pound fifty for a pot of honey. Dun, 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 dun. What is the worst championship team? You've uh, it doesn't say, but it does say that there are 20 uh, championships that are equal bottom. It doesn't say what they are? No. Oh, uh, not, not, not in the bit I've read so far. I'm only on page 39. See, <laughs> one of the things I would like, though, you need to have it levelled up, don't you? Because not all of these championships do the same amount of travelling. No. So you need to add up the travel miles or kilometres. Here's um, one for you. All right. More than 99% of general admission attendees to the 2022 Dutch Grand Prix walked or used public transport. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Well, they had That's to. Right. Well, they had to, because there was no other way to get there, if you remember. Remember, we were being extend, they, they extended the railway platforms, and they did park and ride and park and cycle, and people came on boats and parachuted in and came yeah, on roller skates. Did they did they assess the pollution effects of ten point nine million orange flares though? No, no, those weren't added. <laughs> um, they weren't actually there. Remember, the FI has banned flares at oh, yeah, good events. Point, so, what about, but hang on, what about other sorts of trousers? Is it just flares you can't wear? No, you can't wear. You can't wear drain pipes either. Bell bottoms are gone uh, as well. Bell bottoms gone. Um, nice the thing is, fit. What, what about the forty-five ton, tons of strip waffles? That were uh, on site. They've all eaten. Every single one of them. It's a lovely food source. It's one of the best food sources, the strop waffle. It's up there with the profiterole and Uh, the scone. uh, (laughs) Moving. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Strangely, we are still just on the fringes of speaking motorsport. It's Series 19, Episode 2, and we're getting towards that sort of time, Tim, aren't we? Yes. I mean, we need to talk for three minutes to get to the uh, halfway point of this show. Uh, so let's talk about some of the things uh, that you might uh, hear tonight after we go off air because uh, it's the second of this year's uh, episodes of the Historic Racing News Radio Show. And, tonight, and if you didn't hear the first one, it was magnificent. It was mad. It was mad. It was brilliant. I loved it a bit. Highs and lows of the Benetton Formula One team, Nick. Uh, winning stuff, but cheating. Oh, sorry, no, they haven't officially called Setting fire to Jos Verstappen. Setting fire to Jos Verstappen, <laughs> illegal traction Was that control. a high or a low question? I mean, Ask ignoring Jos. the rules. Um, yeah. Do you think anyone would know who Jos Verstappen was if he hadn't caught fire in Hockenheim? Well, I would. Well, you had to interview him. But... Yeah, so I think we all know who Jos Verstappen was. Cause, and then, of course, his, 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 his unfortunate criminal record as well. And his 
girlfriend beating, but no one talks about that. And rather irritating, the ITV interviewed in this year, which I thought was really not on for a company that's supposed to be where it is, which is so PC and everything else it does. Would anybody have known of Steve Matchett if they, he hadn't set Yoss Probably not, fire? no. No. Uh, Damien Smith no, no is... No disrespect to Steve, by the way. I, I just want to say that. But he well, has written other books. Oh, he's written great books, yeah. He's written the same book three times under different titles. Uh, Hang on a second. Is, he, is that Nigel Roebuck under disguise? He's got, he got three stories. Uh, all about Gilles Villeneuve. Yeah. Uh, Damien Smith is the guest. He's talking about his new book covering the highs and lows of the Benders of the Formula One team. Porsche kingpin Herbert Linger died earlier this month. Jim Rolder will be uh, paying tribute to him. And they'll also be talking about the uh, Ferrari film, which uh, came out in cinemas on Boxing Day. So which Joe Bradley's now seen twice. Really? Is he, is he, it's good, is it? Well, he went on his own because Sam didn't want to go. Right. This is Bradley. And he raved about it so much... That she's she now decided she wants to go. She, she, jo, and she has Joe in racing film positivity shock. Well, he said it was shot beautifully. He didn't give me any other details than that. I'd like to, I, I would just like to say, do we have, we have 30 seconds left? Yes. Go on. Uh, I saw Gran Turismo. Don't. There we are. <laughs> I saw Rush for the first time all the oh, way through. Oh, it was on TV the other day, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And so I'd watched the first five or six minutes of it and gave up. I watched the whole thing through. Don't. Oh, well, actually, no, not don't, but it was, it was rubbish. It's an acquired taste. It, it, and, the, and unfortunately, clearly, the directors never listened to the people in there. Simon Taylor was brilliant. I thought, um, I thought the Nicky Loudy character was interesting, and, and Daniel Brühl was really good. And some of the bits, the best bit of the film, the absolute best bit of the movie, was right at the end, in the hangar, and they had Nicky Lauder's words, and they should have had Nicky doing that, because he was still alive at the time, and they should have had Nicky doing that, and that would have paired the whole film off, and that was the big miss of that film. But the rest of it wasn't very good. I saw Saltburn. I thought that was really good. Nothing to do with motor racing there. <laughs> no, but it's near Stockton on Tees. Midweek Motorsport. Half time. And while we swap ends, here's what's coming up. Coming up in hour two of Midweek Motorsports Series 19, episode two. Uh, there will be more of Nick. There will be more of Tim. There will be more of me. And uh, we like your influences as well, please, on at Specutainment. We'll try and get to a few of them. We will be discussing the Abu Dhabi Six Hours, which is now the second round of the Hancock Middle Eastern Trophy. It's all been swapped around, but I kind of feel that that's a wee bit better uh, that we have the 24 hours to finish. Anyway, that's all to come in the second hour of tonight's programme. We'll be looking at some more numbers, I feel. That's coming. But next, Shea Adam joins us. She'll be at Daytona this weekend for the Raw. We'll be covering that live as well. And she'll be bringing us up to date. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. Now, on last week's show, it's fair to say we didn't cover American sports car racing in any great detail at all, apart from a very short mention of the fact that Alex Palo uh, is going to be racing at the Daytona 24 Hours. We're going to put that right now by bringing in our North American correspondent, Shay Adam. Hello, Shay. Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. 
Shay, uh, this weekend it's the Raw, and that means track action for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and the Michelin Pilot Challenge. Uh, we won't talk too much about the Pilot Challenge because for them, this weekend is just optional, so we, it doesn't really give us a lot of clues as to what's going on. We'll do a proper preview of that next week. Uh, so let's talk about... Uh, the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, and what we can expect at the Raw this weekend. Well, there is a lot of track time as far as pilot is concerned compared to the race distance because the amount of time on track is something like um, 160% of their race distance. I I calculated it out. I'm just scrambling to find uh, which notebook it is. Yeah, 163% because they get six and a half hours during the course of the roar, as opposed to WeatherTech, who have a grand total of eight hours worth of running or a third of the race distance that we will get for the Rolex. Now, there is more practice for both series in the week after the roar when we do get officially into the race week uh, itself. But this is just sort of the introduction and the first toe in the water, really, for all the teams. And as you mentioned, participation is mandatory for WeatherTech. So for the cars that will be running, not necessarily the drivers, but the cars must take to the track. There's no minimum time that they have to run. So it's not as if they need to either A, meet a lap time or go a certain distance during the roar, but you get out of it what you put in. And it tends to be that the cars that run most at the roar do a little bit better as far as setup is concerned for the race. We do already have our BOP for the roar. Uh, It should be the same for the race as well. And comparing where the cars were last year compared to where they are going in this year, who looks good and who doesn't look good? Well, on paper, the BMW and the Porsche should both be much stronger because both cars have had significant weight losses. We've got the new Ford and the new Corvette. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, But a couple of big changes as far as performance is concerned. From last year into this, uh, the Aston Martin has had a quite successful Thanksgiving and Christmas, putting on 35 kilos. The Lamborghini and the Lexus both have also had quite a bit of weight gain, as has the McLaren. So I wouldn't expect to see those cars running as quickly as we did last year. Um, Also, the Mercedes goes into that category, too. But looking at the top category, which is the GTP class, The only car in the field that's running in the same ballpark, if you will, to where it was last year, really is the Acura. But the Acura has been given a lot more weight. So also we have to take that into account as well. The BMW and the Cadillac are both running the same weights that they ended the year on. But they've got significantly less energy to use than they did last year. So I think that it should come into the benefit of the Acura teams as far as GTP is concerned, or Acura team, I should say, since both Acuras are being run by Wayne Taylor with Andretti. And we'll get into that now. Why not? So with the entry list for this year, it looks quite different to when we last left our heroes at uh, the Petit Le Mans back in October. We do still have two Cadillacs in the field, both being represented by the teams that they were last year, although a name change has taken place. For the Whalen Cadillac, uh, they are going to be running as Whalen Cadillac Racing instead of Whalen Engineering Racing. So that's just something for us to get used to. And then Cadillac Racing, once again, that is the Chip Ganassi run program. It's Sebastian Bourdais, Renger Van Zandt, Scott Dixon, and Alex Pillow. Quite a lineup there. Uh, for the 31, the only three-driver lineup in the field for the top category, Pippo Durrani, Jack Aiken, and Tom Blomqvist. So they are coming in and punching well above their weight. Uh, the Acura, as I previewed that, WTR Andretti, 
the two cars that we've got, uh, the 40, which is Louis Delatraz and Jordan Taylor for the full season, bolstered by Colton Herta and Jensen Button at Daytona. Jensen, the only rookie in the top category of the car, so that's kind of fun. Uh, and then the 10, which is Philippe Albuquerque, Ricky Taylor, Brendan Hartley, and Marcus Erickson. Once again, Erickson had some struggles at the preseason testing in December when they were doing the Michelin tire testing, uh, actually coming into contact with the tire bundle on the end of the back straight at the, at the bus stop. Um, but hopefully he's shaken that off and gotten ready to go for his second ever IMSA start and his second ever Daytona start. Porsche, we've got four of these, two from Penske. Uh, Nick Tandy and Matthew Gemini back again for the full season, brought in Kevin Estra and Lawrence Vantor. So if you're looking for an all-star Porsche lineup, you would have to look no further than, oh, wait, nope, any of the Porsches really. Because in the sister car, you've got Matt Campbell, Felipe Nasser, Dane Cameron, who's back again for a full season with Felipe, and Joseph Newgarden joining their car. But then Proton competition, Jimmy Bruni, Neil Johnny, Roman Dumas, and Alessio Piccariello. Then we've got the final Porsche, which is JDC Miller Motorsports, and they've got Westy and Phil Hansen as their two pro drivers, joined by Ben Keating, once again, the busiest man every time we get to Daytona, and Timon Vanderhelm. So that's another good lineup. And then BMW holding their cards closest to the chest for the longest amount of time, because we know that it's Jesse Krohn and Philip Eng for the full season in the 24. They've got Augusto Parfus and Dries Vantor in that one car. But then the sister car, Connerty Filippi and Nick Yellowly once again, Maxime Martin is going to be driving in the prototype, making his prototype debut, and they picked up Rene Rast. So it really is a who's who of who's driving in the top category of cars. A lot of previous winners, and as I mentioned, just the one rookie who just happens to be a Formula One world champion. So that's not too bad. That was 15 years ago, though. Well, yeah, true. So, I mean, who knows? He could get rookie status back in that championship, too, probably. Right, Tim? <laughs> I, I doubt he'd get a super license now, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Uh, Maxime Martin, first time in a prototype, really? Has he not done any LMP2 before? Uh, not in WeatherTech. Every time he has started in the IMSA sanctioned series, it's been either in the pro category or the GTD category. So this is going to be a, a different step for him having to pass all the cars instead of watching his mirrors. Wow, I would never have guessed that. Okay, moving on. Moving on, LMP2 is our next class. We only have four classes this year. It does bode uh, worth repeating because that is a big change from last year. P2, we have 13 entries in this category. Uh, two from the United Autosports USA camp. They're doing a full season effort with two cars. Ben Keating previously mentioned because he's driving in a Porsche 963. Lucky, lucky guy. Full season alongside Ben Hanley. Their endurance driver is Nico Pino. And then they've got the fantastic driver, Pato Award, joining them for the Daytona 24-hour. He's a winner in Daytona in uh, PC and in LMP2. So Pato, very accomplished at this race. Their sister car, which has Dan Goldberg and Paul DiResta, apparently for the full season. But remember, there are WEC classes, and uh, Paul is a Peugeot factory driver. Uh, they have Bijoy Garg as their endurance driver. And then Felix Rosenqvist is their fourth for the Rolex. CrowdStrike is back once again, and it's George Kurtz reunited with Colin Brown, his longtime co-driver. Uh, Colin getting the uh, job offer, I would say, to rejoin George after a good effort last year. Three wins in the GTP class more than any other team. So for him, it's a good thing to land back in a category, and particularly in a class where he has been so strong. They're joined by Toby Sowery for the endurance race. 
And then Malta Jakobsen just for Daytona. Another one-off uh, car in the field, Dragon Speed. They got the late call-up to take the entry when uh, one became available. Eric Lux, a guy who's won the Rolex before, James Allen, who put on the show last year to narrowly claim the watch. They're joined by Kiffin Simpson and St- Sebastian Alvarez. Uh, we've got one other entry in this class that is endurance only. That's Richard Mill, AF Course. Luis perez Campank, Nicholas Nielsen, Lilo Wadu, and Mathieu Vaxvier. That's going to be a strong car as well. Everybody else is full season. So as I rattle through some of these team names and just lift stop some uh, interesting drivers, if you will, bear with me on this one. We've got Tower Motorsport back again. Scotty Mack is back in this car, but they've picked up Ferdy Habsburg and Michael Dynan as two of the other drivers alongside John Ferrano. TDS back once again. They've got a very similar look with Stephen Thomas and Michael Jensen for the full season. Hunter McElroy, though, this is an interesting pickup for their endurance driver. And then Charles Malesi is the Daytona specialist. Aero Motorsport, we've got Dwight and Ryan back again. That's Merriman and Dial, uh, winners of this race back in 2021. Picking up one of our MX5 superstars in Connor Zillich, who actually just signed a big contract as well. He's going to be racing in Xfinity next year. And they are joined by Christian Rasmussen, a young man who had quite a bit of success last year in the open wheel ladder. Uh, I mentioned United Autosport with their second car, MDK by High Class Racing. They've united uh, Scott Huffaker. It's good to see him back in a drive, even though it's just for Daytona. Glad to see that car in the field. Only the one Ligier, Lance Wilsey and Joao Barbosa for the full season. They've got a couple of young guns with them. Nolan Siegel, who is a kid to watch for the future. And Johnny Egger, a guy with a lot of open wheel success in Europe, who's coming over to dip his toe in the water in North America. Um, there's The last three that I'm going to mention are very interesting, mostly because AO Racing has already gotten the attention of fans with yet another fantastic livery. PJ Hyatt uh, picking up Paul Lupchaton, the champion from last year in LMP2, getting Maddie Brabham and Alex Quinn for the endurance race. So that's a really good lineup. And uh, if you have not yet seen their livery, I would highly recommend using your favorite search engine to discover the new dragon. And then Riley making the step up from LMP3 after winning that championship twice. Go Robinson, Felipe Fraga, Josh Burden. They've proven to be a very good trio, but they've picked up another guy who knows a little bit about racing being Felipe Massa, who is a rookie to the Rolex, which is kind of interesting. And then finally, our defending champions, as far as the team is concerned, completely different look for the driver lineup and the car and a little bit with the team too, because now it's inter-Europol by PR1 Matheson. Kubish Mikowski, Tom Dillman, Clement Novolak, and Nick Boole. And as I understand it, there is still discussion as to who their full season drivers will be because Daytona doesn't count for points for the LMP2 championship. So they do have a little bit of time to figure all that out. There's a couple of teams there um, who are regulars in Europe and sort of making their full season debuts in uh, in IMSA in LMP2 this year. Obviously, United have done the big races before, but they're doing full season. Uh, a few others as well. How are they going to settle in? I, honestly, I think they'll be fine. I think United has to be a fan favorite to go out and get the win. Their driver lineup is super strong for the number two in particular. It won't be long until the number 22 is challenging its teammate for wins. It's really a stacked field. And out of all of these cars, I mean, there's 13 cars in the category. On paper, there's 11 that realistically should win the race. So that doesn't exactly work out. (laughs) 
and you think the other two are going to be second and third, of course. Uh, exactly. Let's uh, have a look at some uh, non-prototypes, because we have plenty of those as well. We do. It's, it's a plethora of riches, actually. I've got the pit map a little bit earlier on today, and we have some interesting uh, discrepancy in the pit lane because we have so many GT cars that they are double stacked throughout the entirety of the pit lane, meaning we have, what, 36 of them of our 59 field. So to try and make things a little bit more even, we're going to have every GT car with either a uh, dirty in or dirty out, meaning they're going to have some kind of traffic to contend with because they're sharing a pit box with another GT car, meaning the pit stops will be even more dangerous if everybody comes in under a full course caution. So my head will be on a swivel. But in GTD Pro, we'll start with this category, 12 entries. So this really is fantastic. Only one of the entries is Rolex only. Uh, that would be the number 75 Sun Energy One Mercedes. This is Kenny Habul, Lucas Stoltz, Mauro Engel, and Jules Gunon. Last year, I mentioned the Mercedes was super strong. The BOP this year means that they are going to have more of a fight on their hands, but it's a two-hour minimum drive time. So that's why Kenny Habul has entered his team and his car into this category, because he's finished second before in the Rolex. He wants the watch. So this will be a one and done for Sun Energy One, and let's see if they can do it. Now, we've got two more cars that are endurance-only cars. Right now, the 19 Iron Lynx machine, the Lamborghini, is supposed to be endurance-only, but they will probably switch over to the prototype should that be ready by the time Sebring rolls around. But for Daytona, Mirko Bordelotti, Jordan Pepper, Andrea Caldarelli, and Frank Pereira, Jordan being the only one of those who doesn't have a Rolex already. The other car that is endurance only, once again, Risi Competizioni with their Ferrari 296 GT3, Davide Rigon, Daniel Serra, Alessandro Pierguidi, and James Collado, who was added kind of last minute, but I'm glad to see James in the race. Um, the only one of those four with the Rolex, by the way, is Pierguidi, although Collado uh, has them and Serra have them as well for winning them all, but uh, that's a different story. We've already mentioned AO Racing, so I have to continue on with them, uh, stepping up into the pro category for Seb Prio. Lauren Heinrich and Michael Christensen anchoring them for the Rolex. So a three driver lineup. And there are some three and some four because you do still get the choice in this category. It's four drivers mandatory for the AM classes. And for next year, it's going to be four drivers mandatory for every class. So it is worth noting uh, the three driver lineups. So AO Racing, once again, they are the only Porsche in the pro class. We've got one Aston Martin, that being the heart of racing team. They also are a three-driver lineup for Ross Gunn, Alex Ruberis, and Mario Farnbacher coming home to be with Heart of Racing once again. Team he ran with for several years and won the 12 Hours of Sebring with Alex, uh, to just mention a little bit there. We've got three-driver lineups as well for Corvette Racing by Pratt Miller Motorsport. These are the new GT3 versions of the Corvettes, let's remember. In the three, once again, it's Antonio Garcia. But he now has Alexander Sims, the GTP champ from last year, and Danny Yunkadea. So that's going to be a very strong car. But their sister car is equally strong. The number four has Tommy Milner, Nick Katzberg, and Earl Bamber. So a very solid lineup for one half of the Detroit organized team. The other Detroit team, we've got the might of the pony back. Ford Multimatic Motorsport. In the 64, Mike Rockefeller, Harry Tinknell, and Christopher Mees in the 65, Joey Hand, Dirk Mueller, and Frederick Vervish. So very strong driver lineups from Ford. They are not messing around coming in for this debut. And to be honest, I've been watching their documentary on uh, YouTube that they've been doing. 
very interesting insight and and candid about the struggles and what they aim to get out of the car before they come into this season even really really well done um as far as our defending champions are concerned well we've got faster sullivan back once again it's a slightly different livery to the number 14 lexus but jack uh, hawksworth ben barnicket and kyle kirkwood are the three main guys they've got mike conway in the car with them for the Rolex, Mike's still trying to get his first win. Uh, that's just surprising to me. He's been on the podium eight times in his 18 starts, but never the top step in IMSA competition. We've got our other defending champs, Paul Miller Racing, stepping up to the GTD Pro category. Newly crowned BMW factory driver Madison Snow with Brian Sellers. They've got Neil Verhagen, who's somebody who's going to be interesting to watch because I don't think he's actually done a multi-class race like this before. He's participated in Nürburgring, but that's with a lot slower cars, never with a prototype. Uh, and then their specialist for Daytona being Sheldon Vandalinda. And we saved the Plaid for last because the Plaid is back. FAP Motorsports switching to the McLaren, but they couldn't walk away from the livery entirely. Marvin Kirschhofer and Ollie Jarvis are their two full season drivers. They've got Hinch in the car for the Enduros. And then Alexander Rossi is their car, uh, their extra driver for Daytona, if you will. He's already won this race, and I was just doing a little bit more homework on them, and I, I smiled because the year that James Hinchcliffe got pole at the Indy 500 was the year that Alexander Rossi won it. So I kind of like the idea of these two sharing a car. And uh, if my maths is correct, that means we've got one class left to talk about. Yeah, just the one. Just the one. No big deal. Uh, it's just 24 cars for GTD, which yeah. really is... Some series it's a race on its own. Exactly. We we always talk about a race within a race, but this one could just be its own race, and that would be plenty entertaining all on its own. Uh, four drivers in each car. Uh, let's go back to front numerically. Why not? Uh, Wright Motorsports going with the number 120 this year, still with the Porsche, Adam Adelson and Elliot Skier making the step up. They've been doing GT3 racing in SRO for a while, but now coming into WeatherTech after a quite successful opening campaign in the Michelin Pilot Challenge. They've got Jan Halen for their endurance driver and Frederick Makabeki for Daytona only. Uh, Jan won the race a couple years ago with Wright, so he'll be the one that they will be leaning on for the race knowledge and the car setup, I would imagine. Turner Motorsport, just the one car this year, and it doesn't have Bill Oberlin in it. I'm still really sad about all that. Um, but Robbie Foley is back once again. Patrick Gallagher, his co-driver. Jake Walker is a young man that they've been keeping their eye on for a little bit of time. He will be their endurance driver. And Jens Klingmon, once again, is the fourth driver for Turner. It seems that he always picks up that role when we get to Daytona. Um, Kelly Moss, they have just one Porsche. Now, this is different because on the initial entry list, they had two. And when they did the tire test in December, they had two cars. But now they're running the one. David Bruley, Alec Udell, Julian Anlauer, very similar look to what we saw last year, but they have Trent Hinman as their fourth for Daytona, so that will be a strong car. Another Porsche in the field is the number 86 for MDK Motorsport. That's Anders Fjordback and Kiryong Lee are supposed to be the two full-season drivers. They've got Klaus Backler and Larry Tenborda. Uh, Larry making his IMSA debut, actually, a um, guy with a lot of Porsche accomplishments coming into Daytona. Um, this will be an interesting car. Kirion was the slowest driver in the field last year. He was six and a half seconds off pace. Uh, so hopefully he likes the Porsche a lot more than he liked the Lamborghini he was in last year. But also his background is with Porsches. That's what first got him into racing. So that should be a better fit. We've got a couple of cars that are endurance, five cars actually, that are entered for endurance only. But only one car that's in, in 
for the Rolex alone, that being the Iron Lynx number 60. Claudia Schiavone and Matteo Cressoni, Matteo Cairoli, recently announced uh, Lamborghini factory driver, and Romain Grosjean. Now, this car is really captivating to me because there are two platinum drivers, and per the rulebook, Tim, you're only allowed a maximum of one platinum and one gold driver in this category in GTD. So I'm not entirely sure how that got through, uh, but it did, and those are the drivers who are on the entry list and set to participate in the Rolex. If we go to the endurance cars only, I'll start with the Iron Dames. We still are not 100% sure if Dorian Penn is going to be the fourth driver for Rahel Fry, Sarah Bovi, and Michelle Gatting, but I do believe that she will be the fourth driver. Um, for Lone Star Racing, this is a Mercedes that just very recently actually announced their driver lineup. Uh, Anton Diaz Pereira, who is usually in a Lone Star Racing machine, will not be racing this year. He's taking a year off. Scott Andrews, who is his longtime driving partner, will be in the car, though, and they've found some very good drivers to pilot it with him. Sally Yellick, who's a guy Radio Lamal listeners know very, very well from all of his stuff across the world. Roy Andrade, who had a, quite a bit of success in his last IMSA race at uh, Petit Le Mans, winning that. And Adam Christodoulou, a guy who's got a crazy American background that you forget about all of his success in the American open wheel ladder. We've got uh, Chetelar Racing and AF Course back once again for the endurance races. Uh, Chetelar, basically an unchanged lineup as far as Fuoco, Lacorte, and Cernigiato are concerned. But then they've added Eddie Cheever III into their uh, little triad, I want to say. Uh, quartet, I guess it would be for Daytona. But yeah. Uh, and then AF Course, Simon Mann, Francois Arrow, Miguel Molina, and Kez Cozzolino. So that is a different look to when we saw that Ferrari on track the last time. Uh, a very unchanged look is Triarsi Competizioni with Donofrio, uh, Charlie Scardini, uh, Charlie Scardina, excuse me, and Alessio Rivera. They are joined by Ricky Agostini. You see where I got mixed up there. Um, so that is going to be our contingent of non-full season entries. We've got Forte racing back once again. They won at Motul Petit Le Mans with Misha Goikberg and Laura Spinelli, but they've added Devlin DeFrancesco, a guy who's actually won the Rolex in LMP2, and Sandy Mitchell, very good pickup for them. Um, the McLaren, the McLaren, because there's only one in GTD. Inception racing once again. I saw their livery unveiled the other day. It looks great. They've gone with red. Brendan Areeb, Frederick Shandorf, Ollie Milroy, and Tom Gamble making his second Rolex start. We've got Gradient Racing, the Acura in the field for Sheena Monk, Cat Leg, Full Season. Tatiana Calderon is their endurance driver. And then Stephen McAleer is bolstering that team, and he will be. They will be a good car to watch. Windward Racing, one of two cars in GTD where all four of the drivers have previously won the race. Russell Ward, Daniel Morad, Phil Ellis, and Indy Donchi. Uh, the other car in the field where all four drivers have a previous victory would be the heart of racing Aston Martin because Roman DeAngelis, Ian James, and Marco Sorensen got the watches last year, and it was Zachary Robichon who got it the year before. There's still some discussion if Zach is going to be the full-season co-driver for Roman DeAngelis, who has been promoted to gold, but we wait and see for more answers there. We recently found out the driver lineup for Proton Competition and their Ford Mustang. Corey Lewis and Gianmarco Liverato are the full-season drivers with Ryan Hardwick in for the endurance races, 
and Dennis Olson in for the Rolex. Uh, Wayne Taylor Racing, because they're not busy enough. They have a Lamborghini this year for Kyle Marcelli and Danny Formal. And it's about time that these two step up to GTD, having won the uh, Lamborghini Super Trofeo Championship in the Pro Class twice in North America. They're joined by Graham Doyle, a guy I couldn't find a lot of information about. I know he ran in Super Trofeo last year, but that's it. And then Ashton Harrison, who's taking a year back away from racing a little bit just to try and slow things down and get ready for a full season punch to go into 2025. Speaking of full season punches, well, Magnus Racing haven't done a full season for a little while, but John Potter, Andy Lally, Spencer Pompelli are back, and they're joined once again by Nikki Team. This four-driver lineup drove their Aston Martin last year to second in the race. No reason to think that they won't be up there once again. Andretti Motorsport, different name, Different car from the last time we saw Jared Andretti and Gabby Chavez. They were driving in an Aston Martin last year. Now they're in a Porsche. And they've got a guy who's got a lot of Porsche experience but hasn't been in WeatherTech for a little while uh, in the form of Scott Hargrove joining them. And then, oh yeah, the reigning DTM champ Thomas Prining making his WeatherTech debut. A couple of cars to keep an eye on that I am really, really excited about. Conquest Racing announced that they were going to come back into the championship with a Ferrari and a name that most people won't know is Manny Franco. He's a guy I've known for a couple of years now because of his Ferrari challenge exploits burst onto the scene, did Manny out of nowhere and was immediately a championship contender. He never won a championship in Ferrari challenge because he never did a full season, but he was always there winning races, taking poles, taking fast lap, very competitive guy. His full season co-driver is going to be Albert Costa, which is an interesting choice for me because they also have Cedric Spiritswelli, but then Alessandro Balzan is in the car. Ali's been a coach for Manny for a long time. He's won every big race in IMSA except for the Rolex. He's a Grand Am champion. He knows what he's doing in a Ferrari, so watch out for him to be super strong when we get to Daytona. Uh, Cawthorf Preston Motorsport, they had a name change part of the way through the year last year, but they are back once again with the Mercedes unchanged driver lineup we got mike skeen we got mick granier we got kenton cook this trio won the endurance cup last year look for them to be strong again and they've got maxi guts in the car with them for daytona uh we've got lexus back once again frankie montecalvo full season co-driver parker thompson really happy for the the upgrade for parker the canadian getting his first opportunity at a full season in gtd with aaron tielitz as the endurance driver now and they're Fourth driver is someone that needs to get a little bit more attention in North America. Ritomo Mayata. I'm sure I just butchered his name, but he is a super GT champ. He's set records over in Japanese racing. Toyota's got their eye on this kid. He is phenomenal. He's a racer through and through. Uh, one of the top 10 on iRacing. Just super capable young man. Can't wait to see what he does. And to be honest, see his face the first time he drives into Daytona. Because when you come into the Speedway, it's one of those places that takes your breath away. Definitely and the true. Last... Uh, I remember the first time I went there and drove into the infield. Um, it's it's quite magical. Um, this is going to be the only time you see Miata, though, isn't it? Because he's doing European Le Mans series and Correct. Formula 2. Uh, so He's got uh, WEC with Cool Racing and LMP2. And Formula 2 with Carlin. So he's got yes, a very good Rodin season ahead now, of him. Of course. Yes. Uh, don't call them Carlin anymore. <laughs> um, and then the last two cars in the field are AWA with their Corvettes. 
Ori Fidani, Matt Bell, Lars Kern once again for that trio. But they are joined by Alex Lynn in the 13. And then the 17, which was the LMP3 winners from last year, Anthony Mantella, Nico Verone for the full season, Thomas Merrill, their endurance driver, and then Charlie Eastwood, factory Corvette driver, uh, will be their fourth. And that's everybody who's in the race. Uh, you're going to be there for the roar and uh, providing us with some uh, interviews, which uh, you'll hear over on Imza Radio across the weekend. Uh, what are you most looking forward to, Shay? Uh, well, I know that Thursday I'm going to be locked into a little room and every driver in the field is going to be brought through and I'm going to have my, my handy little Tascam to try and get as many interviews as I can to play out over the next few days. Um, honestly, Tim, I, I don't know. There's so much anticipation with this. I think I'm most looking forward to the watch presentation at the end of the Rolex because that's really when you get the biggest smiles and when everything feels worth it. Shay Adam, and for now, thank you very much. Thank you. And Happy New Year, Shay. Uh, tomorrow <laughs> night at 8, <laughs> Nick, behave. Uh, that's me. That's me laughing. Tomorrow night at 8 on RS1, uh, the Simcast is back discussing Forza's latest content update, F4 Esports Edition to the 2024 FIA Motorsport Games, Indy 500 being back on iRacing, and a US DLC for the Dakar Desert Rally. That's uh, Ben and Lewis tomorrow uh, on the Simcast DLC. from a downloadable content. Mm. Yes, well, uh, don't don't yes. forget that... Um, this weekend is the biggest event in the sim racing calendar. It's is that the iRacing, Daytona 24? The iRacing Daytona 24, yeah, which has the biggest participation of anything. And Even will not be Nürburgring? Oh, gosh, way more Nürburgring, yeah. yeah. Really? Massive. Yeah, massive. It's, it had a, it'll, it'll probably get about 30,000 people in total. Did you, did you see that, um, was it Assetto Corsa had uh, said that they'd rebuilt the game from the ground up and then Daytona they had the wrong pit lane exit yeah there's a few things that go wrong with this. but let's be, let's be honest we're all waiting for the mythical release of uh, Le Mans Ultimate and then when, that doesn't, when that doesn't happen and then they finally go bust we can get the, the Le Mans 24 hour back on iRacing again. No, hang on though this week last year is when um, it was happening Le Mans um, Virtual Virtual, yeah. Virtual. I'm not sure. I think, I think it's a bit late. It's going to be a bit late this year. But uh, who knows? Okay. It's, let's, not, let's not worry about that. Okay. Uh, you listen to Midweek Motorsport. It is Series 19, Episode 2. Thank you to Shea for that excellent rundown of all the changes and what we can expect this week. And Shea will be chiming in to our content over on imsertradio.com. Uh, with the usual mass of interviews. And then, of course, we'll have Midweek Motorsport live from Daytona next week. And in between those twos, we will have some live content uh, of the, I think it's Free Practice 6 from uh, on Sunday from Daytona. And, of course, the all-important Daytona qualifying for WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. And what that does that is qualifying sound... actually do these days? Because it used to determine your place in pit lane, didn't it? And it doesn't now. No, no, this, this is the grid. It's the grid. Oh, it's the actual and grid. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It has been. Remember, it was a race, and then the, the race was dropped because it was too much uh, resources. Yeah. Going back to what we were talking about, about uh, championships trying to be a bit more, you know, green. So it is, um, it is, a, um, it is a qualifying session, and 
uh, and GTPs are back down to 15 minutes this year. So it is, it is the individual qualifying sessions. It will set the grid for the Rolex Daytona 24 hours, not this weekend, but next weekend. Um, and we will have that live for you. Now, a number of people seem to have missed the point that for several years now, we have been broadcasting World Free TV of WeatherTech Sports Car Championship um, video to the United States. There is no block, there are no breaks, and wherever you are in the world, qualifying for World for WeatherTech Sports Car Championship is always available on our feed and on our website at imsaradio.com. And that will continue. So no subscription requires, and we will continue to do that throughout this year. We've got more live video available to you in the US as well as the rest of the world than ever before in 2024 from IMSA because we've added a new championship, which is the Mustang Challenge, and that's going to be available to you without block or break. So you don't need any subscription for any of that. Now, the Mm. race, different because obviously if you're in the States, that's going to be on NBC Sports and or Peacock. Um, but if you're anywhere else that doesn't have a network TV deal, then you follow along on World Feed TV with IMSA Radio Audio, um, the, mar- the majority of which is trackside. And we'll be back trackside at far more events even than we were last year, um, thanks to our partners who pay for it all, which is great. So thank you to all of them. And we'll be announcing more about that Uh, as we go through race week itself uh, and we'll start our race week coverage with a special midweek motorsport next Wednesday evening. We've got some special guests for that. It'll be Mazda MX-5 on track while we're doing that one, their second free practice of race week. Tim, where would you like to go next? I'd like to go to the United States uh, because we've got a bit of an IndyCar story. Oh, have we? Oh, not an IndyCar story, really. Uh, You'll notice uh, that... um, if you look at the entry list for IndyCar, Delcon Racing has um, has a vacancy, <laughs> and everyone was, wanted. Everyone was expecting that vacancy to be filled by uh, a driver who's previously tested with Delcon Racing and who is a multiple race winner in Indy Next. Uh, that being uh-huh. Daniel Frost. Daniel Frost will not be racing this year, ah, oh. or next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, because Daniel Frost is from Singapore. He's off, yeah, he's gone off to his military service, isn't he? So he has to do two years oh, compulsory see. military service. Mm. Whilst not chewing any gum. And having his jacket fastened all the way at the top. Oh, no, that's, that's right. true, isn't it? And wa- watching, uh, watching otters. Well, mm. in fairness, can, that's a pass point. Can he not do his... <laughs> can he... <laughs> Uptown otters. Uptown otters. Um, can, can he not do his military service while he's in the United States? No. Is there not some Singapore um, military regiment that, that the United no. States could second no, no, no. themselves to? No. Are you sure? Quite sure. Okay. Excellent. Also, no news on Series 2 of Uptown Otters yet. Jeez. What are, what are not, these TV not, executives doing? I'm not, sure, I'm not sure where we go after how they finished um, series, series 1, one. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you got me binging on that, Jim yes. Gray. You did. You, you watched it as well, didn't you? No, I haven't seen it so far. Uh, oh, mate, you have to. It's still available on demand. 
I do think it, I still think it would be better with the VO from MasterChef professionals with Sean Pertwee. <laughs> I'm not sure. No, it's the wrong VO. That's the only thing that annoyed me about it. The other thing would be it could have been better with a kind of a, like a Geordie Shaw type. There mm. are three, three families of otters fighting for supremacy <laughs> in the world's in the world's most fashionable city. D twenty seven in Marina Bay. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Or you could. Uh, hey, is this how's how about this for an idea? Why don't you? Because. The River Tyne has been cleaned up, and the River Weir have been cleaned up massively. Why don't you do Geordie Shaw otters? Go get salmon for you get salmon before. Also, they, don't forget the big the big animal we're all talking about in the UK is the beaver. It's you all like about the beaver, about beaver now. It's the reintroduction of the beaver. They, I've seen I've seen three or four different articles about how the reintroduction of beaver in various parts is massively improving the ecosystem. There's some really really positive beaver PR going on. I still think I still <laughs> think that if you had a family of otters at Swal at Swalwell Cool Steers, and they're heading off, they're heading to Bencham. Actually, they can't head to Bencham because that's inland, but yeah, they're, they're heading down to the marina. There, there are otters on the river Weir near Bude and at uh, Low Burnhall near Durham. The, the, um, it's, oh, the, the waterways in the UK have cleaned up. Um, I, I know water companies in the UK... Get, Show um, the sea. Yes. Um, they've cleaned up the waterways because they've thrown all the poo into the sea instead, untreated. But um, it, it's incredible. Um, the difference that it's made, particularly upstream, um, in places up in Northumberland that have uh, have got otter otter populations are going through the roof. Actually, otters could be a bit funny. I'm, I'm a big otter fan, always have been, but they are they are a bit funny because they're one of the few animals that um, hunt just for the fun of it, and they don't always eat their food. They will kill fish and just leave them, which is why they were hunted nearly to extin- extinction, of course, by uh, by those who were farming salmon and trout and things like that, by the hinds, um, those who were looking after the waterways. I'm actually just, uh, I've just found a, an article uh, in the newspaper archives. It's from uh, June 21st, 1873. Excellent. Right. And uh, it's from the Stockton Times. Ah, of course. Of course. Well, that's a River Tees, of course. That would be on Tees. Yes. And uh, 3.30am for the start of the otter hunt. There you go. Otter hounds are a very uh, sophisticated and clever very old breed. breed of dog. It's very, very old, old they breed. To, they had to bring it back from virtual extinction about 20 years ago. Correct. Absolutely right. Web feet. Web uh, much feet. Like Chesape- Waterproof coat. Yeah, much like Chesapeake Bay Retrievers. Um, There's quite a few dogs well. of web feet, actually. Mm, you'd be surprised. Have we just... Might I just suggest we've gone off on a tangent for a moment, gents? Yeah, but the, everybody uh, loves otters and dogs and beavers. Yeah. Otters and dogs. Be- so you beavers, oh my! <laughs> the the uh, Nisham otter hounds uh, disbanded Nisham. in 1920 uh, when Thomas Wilkinson died of a chill he caught while out otter hunting. Mm, you see? That's karma, isn't it? Mm. Yes. Neither the otters nor the otter hounds died, interestingly. Anyway, moving on. 
there's a race going on in Abu Dhabi this weekend, and uh, Nick Damon, you're going to tell us all about it. Are you yes. excited, Nick? Are I, you excited? I, I think, uh, yeah. But we're, the problem is, we're a week late, so I've been, I've been, I've been hyperventilating since you know since it was last week. <laughs> I was supposed to be out there beforehand. Um, yes, I realised. Considering it's, 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 always, it's always irritating when another world event gets in the way of our motor racing. I had enough of blooming COVID for two years, and then we had an argument between the people of the Middle East and helping out. Anyway, so but the good news is we're off and running uh, as of uh, Saturday and Sunday. Saturday for qualifying, Sunday for a six-hour race. Um, it's quite, it's quite a little six hours. It's quite a little moose bouche for the season, isn't it? We don't normally do things as short as six hours, so um, well, it's been great. So, so, so here's the thing, right? This should have been the final round of the Hankook Middle East Trophy, which we started what seems like ages ago um, in early year. December. It was only five weeks ago. Yes, I know, but it seems a really? million oh. years. Yes, exactly. Blimey, Charlie. Um, so we started a Kuwait Motor Tap. With a with a, a small but perfectly formed field, and it was an absolutely outstanding race, proving if proof were needed that you only need two cars to make a race. We had three cars at the front of the field that raced very very well. Then we had the problems. Um, it's sorry, that is very English, isn't it? That's like saying then there was the troubles in Ireland. Then we then we've had the war in the Middle East and uh, Yemeni. Uh, terrorists and um, independence fighters, the Houthis, has been involved trying to stop shipping south of uh, the Suez Canal. And that has stopped a lot of shipping. And so we've had to move the Dubai 24 hours to the other side of the Abu Dhabi 24. However, mercifully, um, in terms of our sport, the the ship ships that were, or the ship that was bringing... The entries for the Abu Dhabi at six hours was far enough, um, or at least far enough into its journey that it was able to divert immediately and didn't actually get too badly uh, delayed. And therefore, it was here a little bit late. But I don't, I'm not sure we've lost that many cars, Nick. We've still got a. This has got to be one of the biggest entries for the Abu Dhabi six hours oh, um, of Kravetnik for, for a long time. Comfortably biggest, 44. Way, way above. I think they got. And they had thirty last year, and then the the, the previous year, I think, was the first one of all. Um, so then they, they had about twenty-two. This is um, no, it's it's a it's a really stacked entry, um, you know. And for a six-hour race, it's going to be really, really hectic because you know it, it, it's pretty much you know what we'd normally do in the first part of a, of a, of a traditional European race, isn't it? In a split race, we do four or five hours, and that would be and then break. And then we do six hours. It's the entire race. Um, yeah, and it's a, it's a, yeah, we've got a lot of GT3s. Um, I think, I think from memory, I think it's 13, but I'm not always good at counting. <laughs> yeah, I'm wrong, it's 15. Uh, including um, Herbert Motorsport are back for the first time in a while. We've not seen um, the uh, the stalwarts of the series for 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 some time. Only two of the regular drivers, Ralph Bourne and Alfred Brunel, but we've got Antares Al, who, um, interestingly, on the, it'd be quite amusing, if you actually look on the picture, um, they've got his name, but he's under um, uh, your favourite driver's picture. Uh, <laughs> who's that, then? Who'd you like, who, who's your favourite driver in the uh, Herbirth team? Oh, I can't remember his name. <laughs> it's Daniel Allerman. Uh yeah. yeah so, but, so, so they've, they've got. Extra. But no, we got, we got another. Uh, there's a number of, there's a lot of good teams. For example, we've got all three people who took part in that fantastic um, battle mm. in Q8. We have um, 
uh, obviously CP Racing, we have the uh, renamed, uh, I can we forget what they call themselves, Dallas Manamura Energy by EB Motors, mm. which is the most Porsche, and of course the um, very unlucky uh, but very quick Century Motorsport M4, who, you know, with a clean run would have absolutely been involved in that, that at the end. Add to that several well known uh, Creventic names, including Art Battlestar. We've got Hass RT, so Hass RT are there with um, the normal team. They've got Torsten Kratz, Matthew to try, Stanislav Minsky and Thomas Kiefer. I haven't heard Stanislav before. Interesting about that is they've got four drivers for six hours and we've got, we've got four driver teams, we've got three driver teams, we've got two driver teams for this race. I thought rotating four drivers through in six hours, it's going to be quite hard to get the best mm. combination out of that. Um, I, I'm, I'm very impressed with how the entry um, how the entry looks um it's um i think it's a tribute to how hard the guys at um at Creventic have been have been working and how they have um uh how they've made this part of the year the end of one year and the beginning of of next actually work for them and um, uh, you know, it's not everybody's cup of tea because it, it won't um, it won't always uh, work with other championships and other championships try to get in there as well. We were talking about, weren't we? We were talking about um, risk champions earlier on, and that's one of the issues is that there isn't the gap anymore no. No. that there used to be. Um, yeah, I think yeah, the, the front of the yeah, if if Dubai had been uh, last week, as it's supposed to be, you you effectively start the year with um, well, sort of one blank weekend. We are still hungover from uh, the new year. Then you go Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Daytona. Then you got I think you got a week or two weeks off, and then you're off to Bathurst, and it's, it's and then you hit the European season. So it, there really was no gap anymore to stick in these um, outlying events, and such. Um. Looking through the rest of the field, what what seven catch seven right? well seven GTXs? Yes, so that's a, a, that's more than we've so, had for a very long time. Yeah, I, th- I don't think we've ever had. I don't think even in the twenty four we've had seven before. Nice um, spread as well because there's a well, couple of Super Trofeos. There's the Crossbore. There's the G fifty six Cup, which Lawrence Tomlinson, along with his son Freddie and Michael Simpson, they're continuing. Uh, and Michael Simpson, uh, as I say, uh, continue and develop this G56 Cup yeah, car. Yeah. This is the V. This is a V8, um, and they're looking to sort of get this into a GT4 kind of specification. They they lifted off and they took it easy in the second half mm. of the race in in Kuwait because they decided that having said we don't care about the result, we don't care about the result, we're developing the car, oh we're gonna win, we better just make sure we win. <laughs> you know yeah. what? I have no problem with that See, at all. That car looks fabulous. And it's the new Vortex great. and yeah but the new Vortex as well, you know. Mm. That, that car was super quick. Alright, it had its teething trouble. It was super quick. Um so yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's another great series. Obviously, the nine nine two class has become an absolute stalwart for for Creventi. What's well, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, about thirteen of those. We've got a decent and I saw that Porsche Motorsport, by the way, have confirmed their support for the nine nine two special Cup race, uh, the special at Spa Francorchamps later in the year. Oh, first weekend of September, isn't it, I think. 
Yeah, that's going to be great. I am looking forward to that. Mm. I am really looking forward. L- but look at the class in that field. Look here, Red Camel, Jordan, NL for um, Fabian Dance, Luke and Ivo Brukas in that car. Um, Tom Coronel, if he's back from um, Dakar in the MDM Porsche, uh, we've got Stefan Param back for um, Seb Lazure Racing by Duo. Some great... Stephen Lickerish, uh, British, and, and Graham Mundy, two British drivers who are inextricably linked with Porsches in the PRP Motorsports with HRT being... Um, I mean, HRT have been around for such a long time. Uh, we've got the local drivers QMMF by HRT. We've also got Milner Motorsport, and and we know that that will get some collective uh, support because one of our collective, um, Marcel Duke, works with Milner Motorsport. K. Kramer Racing with two cars. Um, and, I mean, there's just quality... Hang on, there's another page of 990s as well. It's a Saifal Mary, the Rabdan by Fulgenzi. That's a good-looking 992 field. Harry Hilders and Geese Bessenbach as well, I just know. Well, Harry Hilders and Geese Bessenbach, I think, have done more races in the Rick series than anybody. Up until about a year ago, they were ever-present, or two years ago, they were ever-present. Mm. They both missed a couple, but they have done stunning amounts of racing, the pair of them, um, within the Rick series. Um, Dutch still works the championship. Yeah, got, we've also got um, is it five, we've got five GT4s. There's actually a proper GT4 class as well, including a couple of Toyota Supras we've not had for a while. Um, have, so we had two G- Supra- have we had Supras before? Yeah, we've had Supras at Dubai, at Dubai before. Ah, yes, of course we did. So a Mercedes, two BMWs and two Supras in GT4. Mm. That's going to be interesting. And, and we've got we've a few TCR. We've got TCRs, a couple of TCRs, TCRs and TCXs. TCSs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's again, it's it's still that's the area which there's a lot of focus on on growing. I think there's be a big push into the European season to get the TCRs mopped up from all around of Europe with the reduction is, of power and everything else. Is is TCR Gen One that the you know we talked about it a lot at at Kuwait and there's a lot of TCR Gen One cars sitting around. Is that is that going to be something that will? We're talking about a championship here in the the Hankook 24 Hour Series. That is for the competitor. I was just I was just explaining to somebody the other day about when you go into the driver meeting, and either Gary Phillips or uh, Evil Breakers or whoever's taking the driver meeting looks at all the big name drivers and whether it's um, you know Lawrence Tomlinson, Le Mans winner, whether it's uh, Peter Cox, Le Mans winner, wh- whoever is there, um, and, and you know we've we've had a lot of big names. They look at them and go, "Hello, you pro drivers. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed." Um, this race is not for you. This is for everybody else. And Creventi started in that way and continues in that vein. Do we think that encouraging people to bring Gen 1 TCRs out, which are relatively good value to run, do we think that's going to work when we get back to Europe, Nick? I think they've got a good chance. I think, you know, it's it, the idea is to get these things which are sitting in the back of garages, make them, you know, if someone's got one, they think, oh, well, I can you know, make some money out of it or I can break even and do some racing. They've tuned them down a bit to make them cheaper to run. So it's, you know, the, the cars are there and they now need to see if the desire to run them exists. I mean, there are good little race cars yeah. as smart ones, but, you know, it's, it's a case where 
there was a big, big TCR class in Creventi, or 10, 12, 15 cars sometimes. Mm. They just died in its backside, pretty much as mm. you say, John, when these Gen 2 stuff came out, and they did seem to struggle doing the longer races, with it, with it, especially around the drive shafts, gearbox, and differentials. Yes, as they were getting more specialised and they were pushing pushing harder, I suppose, <laughs> is that. Um, if I was to... Um, if I was to threaten you with a, a small catapult, um, mm-hmm. what would you say in, in GT3 at the sharp end of the field? Usually, uh, by the way, it's lovely to see Car Collection Motorsport back with an Audi. Um, I should mention that. Um, we've got a 720 McLaren. We've got plenty of Porsches and Mercedes and BMWs at the sharp end of the field as well. Uh, Haas RT back with their yeah. uh, Porsche. There is a 488 for Baron Motorsport with Ernst Kirschmeyer, Axel Jeffries and Philip Barron. Those guys can pedal. What are we looking for at the sharp end of the field? Um, I think you, you, you need to look at the people who've done lots of Creventic racing. It's obviously, the six-hour race, it's not quite as much disadvantage not having done it. But I would say Haas or EB Motors or Herbert would be my, uh, my, my yeah. go-to for the winning even though it's looked very very good and they're learning that, that car and i just feel they've got that little bit extra to give over cp racing well i think cp racing's strength comes as the races get longer and being sensible gets more important and they have the advantage of being a an arm um what's again arm think, advantage yeah. yeah i think these things all become more advantageous as time goes on i think the shorter yeah. the race the less you get out of that how far is the top 992 class car going to be up? Because, of course, they run long. And we've seen Ooh. in the early parts of the long races, that can work in their I don't know. It's a good question, fashion. that. I don't know. Don't top know. Five? Top 10? No. no, there's two. Yes. Yeah. This, I'm going to go uh, eighth. There we are. Mm. Getting off the fence and saying eighth. <laughs> and if, uh, I'm right, Nick... got, if I'm right, you've got, to get me a, you've got to get me a free cocktail. Okay. <laughs> I think we can probably manage <laughs> Uh, we can manage that. Uh, Nick, along with Joe Bradley, will be patrolling the pits at Yas Marina at the weekend. It'll be Phil Anson, the voice of Formula One in the region, and me in the booth as we go back to Yas Marina uh, uh, for the what is the second round of the Hankook Middle East Trophy. Because of the change, it means we've got to do a complete... But like basketball, five off and five on. Well, it isn't actually because Phil Anson will <laughs> remain the constant for the 24 hours. He'll be joined by Andrew Marriott and Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones in the pit in, in the uh, booth rather with Dybinks and uh, Peter Snowden in the pits for the Dubai 24 hours, while the rest of us go to. Tim, where would you like to take us for the last few? Oh, who knows? About to say, the guys going to, to, to Dubai know what to pack because the weather will be lovely. Who knows what happened at Daytona? Could be everything. twenty-three, could be five. You pack everything. I'm it going could directly. Be Celsius. It could be twenty-three Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Hey. Very good. Very good. I've got. I'm going direct. So you can imagine what, what my uh, carry-on luggage uh, looks like. Tim, where would you like to take us for the last bit of the program? I mean, that's all we've got time for. Oh, really? Literally, it is all we have time for, I'm afraid. Uh, okay. Historic Racing News is next with uh, the highs and lows of the Benetton Formula One team and Damien Smith as their special guest. I remember when Damien Smith 
was brand new and didn't... I remember him ordering a meal in a hotel and he didn't complain that he didn't get what he wanted because he didn't want to upset the apple cart. Ah, how times have changed. No time to explain as the llama is packing the sun cream and the big furry boots. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, subscribe to Midweek Motorsport wherever you get your podcasts.